A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. This is the podcast where I do my very best, with the help of some very intelligent and erudite people, to catch you up on the week. If you haven't been paying attention, don't worry about it. Paying attention is overrated. We've all got to just get on with our lives. And frankly, I have been finding paying attention to be almost excruciating of late. I don't know about you, but um, I, it's really... Oh, really got to me this week. I mean, it gets to me on a regular basis, but this week I just felt like I every time I, I turned on the radio or opened a website or, you know, I feel like stepped outside the front door of my house, someone was talking to me about housing. And I don't have a problem with that because we need to talk about housing. We need to talk about it long and hard and until the problem is fixed. But like, it kind of cracked through this week to my like actual sense of well-being um I found the story about the family in Donegal being evicted forcibly really heartbreaking like it kind of I don't know it really stayed with me for days and a general sense of concern for kids in this country and people in this country is is seeping into my general kind of feeling about life at the moment and so it can be really heavy so if you've chosen to kind of check out then I respect that but you still want to be a little bit clued in then that's what this podcast is all about and of course if you listen regularly you know that already so sorry if I've bored you already just stick with me guys okay um I hope you had a good week I had a pretty good week I went to see Fight Like Apes on Friday night in um the Olympia which was brilliant Fight Like Apes absolutely iconic band of my 20s um and I just it brought back so many gorgeous nostalgic memories and it was just so fun to scream along and to see May Kay in action and Jamie and the whole band um it was just such a great night great night of nostalgia um and I would do it a hundred times over I would like them to play lots more times please and more like nostalgia bands more bands from that time cast of cheers I would like to get back together and play a gig I've said it to them multiple times they're not currently listening I will continue to work on it but wouldn't it be great if all the bands that we went to see in our early 20s whatever kind of music you were into decided to do like one-off reunion gigs I would very much like that because nostalgia is a powerful drug and it can make you feel a real lift and that was probably the highlight of my week other than that I've just been working away 
and we have got lots of good stuff coming up on the Patreon this week. I am going to be discussing Madonna's Ray of Light album, which recently turned 20, um, and also Madonna in general, um, you know, where she is. Obviously, we recently got the news that Max Martin was uh, recording with her, which is a big deal. We mentioned that in the um, entertainment section last week. And, um, you know, her kind of impact, the conversation around her, the way people discuss her and her face. Sorry, 25 years it was recently, um, Ray of Light. The way people discuss her and her face and and Madonna in general, her impact. That's going to be this week's Patreon episode. So if you're not signed up to the Patreon, please do go and check it out. It's patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise Akshari and you will get two bonus episodes um one every second week basically um and uh, I hope they're fun I hope you guys are liking them if you're not or if you have any feelings you'd like to share please do let me know you know where I am on all the usual social medias but you can also send a voice note to 089-209-6423 that's 089-209-6423 now though let's get into the podcast it is time to catch up on the week's news there is lots and lots to discuss. Aoife Moore, it is great to have you with me once again. Uh, even if we are over the medium of Zoom this week, it's the appropriate way to talk. Um, when the lurgy. Yeah, you have the lurgy. God love you, you poor pet. And yet your dedication is such that you are still here. And I am very grateful to you for that, as I know, is everyone listening. Um, we've got <laughs> loads and loads to talk about. So let's start with, I mentioned this in the intro of the podcast, actually. Um, basically, the fallout from the eviction ban discussion and the decision to mm-hmm. lift the eviction ban. So the day the podcast comes out will be Friday the 31st and that is the day the eviction ban ends Mm. it has dominated the news um for weeks because the government decided that they would lift continue to lift the eviction ban um they said that they didn't feel in the long term that it would have the effect um that they had planned so it will be lifted there are thousands of notices to quit we talked about this last week Mm. and people are set to be evicted um, Sinn Féin put down a motion to try and restate it um, and then Labour this week tabled a motion of no confidence in the mm. government that would have toppled the government and caused um, a general election. Mm. So the government um, won the vote of no confidence by 19 votes, so it was 80, 60, 67. Mm. Um, Nessa Harrigan, who lost the vote, or who lost the whip in her own party because she voted against the government last week, mm. did vote um, in confidence of the government. Um, but they lost a lot of independence, even in this vote, where they thought, um, you know, they can usually depend on certain independents, and even the independents um said that they couldn't back the government um it has been a really poisonous debate mm. um we have seen much more even the ruin is usually kind of centered on the government and Sinn Féin and we have seen the government go you know against Labour you know we've seen the Green Party you know launch attacks on the Social Democrats it's been really poisonous and I think um what for me anyway, and people watching it from the outside is it's all become this huge drama and circus when there are thousands of people who are not going to have a home. Yeah. 
next week and and have and nowhere to go. Yeah, like and we talked about this last week, and and I heard the you know the I think it was the director of the Simon Community on uh, Morning Ireland this morning, so this Thursday morning, um, and like you know the reality of this situation and the impact is so grave that to then hear kind of the politicking is is just disgusting. Like, you know, we there was the story this week in Donegal of a family being forcibly mm-hmm. evicted from their house, which just broke my heart. Six children yeah. upstairs in a house while a man in a hood stood at the bottom of the stairs looking up at them. Like, you know... He, so the video went viral. Um, it was a house in Bondoran, a gorgeous part of the country, mm-hmm. in Donegal. Um, a Portuguese and Brazilian... <clears throat> family with six kids aged nine six five three two and eleven months were evicted without warning um by three men and their landlord um last week they the video is so jarring um the men tell the people that they the dad could be arrested for burglary the kids will be taken away from them and taking drugs they said that um their kids will be taken away from them they, the people themselves, the parents said that they have been sending emails, you know, to numerous agencies looking for help. Um, they said that they love Ireland. They want to stay here. Um, he, the dad, was working at a hotel. Bundoran is a kind of seaside town mm-hmm. um, in Donegal. Well, there were lots of people going on their holidays. He had been working at a hotel there. Um, and he said... The children have been traumatized by the eviction. He said of course they have. They, yeah, the youngest two have become really clingy. Um, they've managed to get a one. Their their friend has kind of said that he can they can stay in their house. So they've got all these kids, um, in a one bedroom in a in a house in Slago. Um, and then now a Giarda investigation has been launched into the landlord. Um, and the man who evicted. Yeah, and the family. This this is what is going to happen. I yeah. don't know what the government thought was going to happen when they lifted the eviction ban. And that's there before, in fairness, that's before the eviction ban is lifted. Like, yeah, and it's just going to get worse now because you know renters don't have a leg to stand on, and they also don't have anywhere to go. That's the yeah. um, and I've become really. Doesn't hurt. So, like, even this morning, you know, Barry Coyne, Barry Coyne, the Fianna Fáil TD, um, yesterday during the debate on the eviction ban, said that carrying on with the eviction ban was that it wouldn't necessarily solve the housing crisis. And then he compared it to making sweets free for children. Like, I, that got me so much. Like, I found that so absolutely galling. To be in a a situation where every, every leader in terms of like homelessness organizations is saying this is a disaster is about to happen when you've got mm-hmm. this situation this one you know one example of a situation of the family in Donegal you've got parents going to bed terrified that they won't have anywhere to house their children and you've got Barry Cowan in the doll saying keeping or extending the, the ban is not necessarily going to solve this crisis it's like making sweets free for children it's fine for a little while but ultimately detrimental to the greater need like what are you talking about he also he also then went on the radio today and it was one of the worst interviews I have heard in a long time and Fianna Fáil TDs generally don't have a great record when it comes to apologising he said he, he was sorry that people were offended which in no way 
I'm sorry you feel that in way. No, and in no way is an apology. It really, whether he meant it in that way or not, whether he, you know, there was badness behind it, it made the government look so uncaring, so unfeeling. The amount of ridiculous metaphors used in the debates. Then Barry Coyne in the same debate said he was being heckled so much he felt like he was a contestant on Countdown. Countdown, the game show known for its heckling. Just shut up. Like, this is not a game. Even on the opposition side, Mick Barry compared the ending of the eviction ban um, to Will Smith getting slapped in the face in the Oscars. This is not the time or the place, and it's not just the government it's the opposition as well everyone knows that the public are going to be watching these debates and everybody wants to get their soundbite on tv and it's very disheartening when we have the ceos of housing charities saying we actually don't know what we're going to do there's now over 300 homeless refugees in ireland there's no space for uh, for people seeking asylum anymore um, they come here fleeing war and we have them um, on the street. It has been a very bad week um, for Irish politics. It has been a very bad week um, for the government. Um, and I think we are going, we are at the crest of a wave now of a lot more people becoming homeless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not much more you can say really than that. Oh, it is just like I personally am finding it really difficult to yeah, me too. stomach. So I can only imagine how people who are really in danger are finding it. And if you're one of those people, and I know that some of you are because I've heard from you, um, I just am sending you like all the hope in the world that something turns up for you and that, you know, things work out for you because I know, I, well, I don't know. I can only imagine how terrifying it is. Okay, let's move on. Um, Kelly Harrington in the news this week for all the wrong reasons. Yep, Kelly Harrington is an Olympic gold winning um, boxer. Um, she's from Dublin. Um, she became son of a national sweetheart when she won um, her gold medal in 2021. Her family um, were you know, very much at the heart of it. She's from Portland Row in the inner city. Um, everybody was bloody delighted for her everyone Thrilled. loved her yeah. um, you know openly proud gay woman as well um, worked in the hospital loved her last October um, Kelly Harrington tweeted a video, a video from the news channel right wing news channel GB News in which a journalist claimed that European girls were being sacrificed on the altar of mass migration Kelly then um, said that this was something that Ireland would need to be aware of. Um, she p- posted another tweet um, right after it, um, then going on to uh, concrete her point. Um, the tweets in the immediate caused huge uproar and she deleted the tweets um, not too long after. She didn't apologise for them. She just, when she deleted them, said that she didn't want the hassle. She has managed not to have to answer for these tweets um, from October up until now. She was doing an interview this week with Off the Ball with a journalist called Shane Hannon who asked her um, repeatedly about the issue. Kelly Harrington did not handle it in any way appropriately 
Um, she at one point when he first asked her said that she didn't even hear his question because she switched off when he spoke about diversity in the inner city. I'm going to put a clip in here so that yeah. people can hear yeah. for themselves. You're talking there, uh, Kelly, as well. We're kind of discussing the, 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 the idea of role models. And I know this is a probably an area that you've been thrust into because of your, your talent and your and your success. And given that, and given all of the diversity as well in, in the North inner city now is something that's cropped up in recent years as well. I know you've had a number of interactions on, on, on social media and on Twitter um, that have suggested you've you've strongly held views on, on immigration. Um, are those opinions you still feel feel strongly about? I don't, I don't actually, I switched off there when you said diversity in the inner city, there's diversity all over uh, Dublin. <laughs> so I did switch off. So I don't actually know what the rest of the question was there. Sorry. No, just talking about, I know you had a, 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 you know, a couple of interactions on social media, on Twitter in October, where you're you know, we're talking about anti-immigration and there was a, a quote tweet from a GB News tweet where there were links between violence and, and immigration and migrants. And I know on social media, I guess, in your position as a role model, those comments carry weight. So I was just wondering if you have still the same held views on immigration. So I feel right now at the moment that you're trying to hang me out to dry. So uh, for that, I'll say next question. Well, not not at all. I, I, the discussion... I guess Kelly just needs to be ha- had. Yeah, that was a, that was a that was a post in October, so I do feel like you are hanging me out to dry, you know. And you know me by now, and you know you're going to get the truth off me, and that's exactly the truth as it is as I'm sitting here now. I feel like you've brought that up to try and bring up a bit of controversy. So Cer- certainly not. It, it's it, people will know it's not my style. It's not my style to look for controversy or to quote controversy. I, I genuinely just feel if anyone posts anything on social media or says something in an interview. Those are beliefs that are strongly held and thought out. That, that was in October. Like you said, it was in October. Like we're now nearly heading into April. Hi, Shane. I just took it in there. We're, we're probably about five minutes left. If we maybe want to move on to the next one. It is quite cringy to watch. Um, Shane uh, deals with it impeccably. He is incredibly well-mannered. He is incredibly polite. He is not, clearly not, um, in any way doing a gotcha here he's not trying to you know elicit if anything um, anything from her if anything from my perspective watching it it, he's giving her an opportunity to say you know what I've learned a lot since then and I was wrong Mm -hmm. or oh well here's what I think or you know whatever but but her it's the way she responded that's that's so problematic the other thing to factor in here which I think is really important because there are lots of people saying well she's there to talk about sport and like she was there to talk about sport but she was actually there as a representative of SPAR because she's a brand ambassador for SPAR whose campaign is all about communities so the question was completely appropriate for the situation you know despite the fact that there are some people who feel like you know he was kind of it was unfair to even ask the question in the first place yeah so it was about grants that you could get for community groups and it was about diversity and inclusion Mm. um and yeah at one point at a number of points the the public relations manager um who is off camera keeps interjecting and telling Shane to move on as well which makes it even more awkward to watch so Mm. as of right now it's been viewed almost three million times Mm. on Twitter the worst bit was she said to to Hannon um be like Elsa from Frozen and just let it go 
Well, no, no, uh, Kelly. It, it, but the po the point is, you were saying there that you thought you you felt I was hanging you out to dry when when that's completely not the intention of my question. The question is just to bring up a discussion on pe people having views on social media if, and if, back in the morning. Right, here we go, right? If you're not hanging me out to dry, to dry, let it go, move on. Be be like Elsa and just let it go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Don't hold it back anymore. Just let it go and move on. It could it couldn't have went worse for Kelly Harrington. I think it took a good seven hours then in the aftermath and Kelly Harrington then released a statement um in which she said that she had been caught off guard by um the questions and that she's all about um diversity inclusion. She said she was moved by the horrific circumstances of a child's death um at the time she posted the tweet and said, my thoughts in that moment were of that young girl and not any political opinion. Having realized the significance of my tweet and the hurt caused to a number of people, I immediately deleted it. I engaged privately with a number of people who were hurt by my tweet and I apologized to them. She said on Mon about Monday's interview that she was not prepared for a question unrelated to my sport, which I find incredibly naive because Kelly Harrington has managed to go from October to now not having to answer this question. And I don't think that's an accident. I do not think that Shane Hannon has been the only person who thought to ask her about this. Mm -hmm. I think she has just managed to avoid it until this time. I don't know if maybe she thought she had got away with it and, you know, it wasn't relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I, think I, am, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how incredibly disappointed I am. And I know Kelly Harrington obviously doesn't give shit what I think of her. But I just think for young girls in sport and and watching you know this moment that Ireland is having with trying to fight negative stereotypes about um new communities in our country I really feel like somebody so beloved by the Irish public um has really let herself down I think yeah and really let other people down as well I think that's the that's the thing is like everybody everybody was on Kelly's side. Everybody wanted nothing but good stuff for Kelly and everybody's just disappointed, I think, because it's not mm -hmm. just, unfortunately, those original tweets. It's not just the way that she responded in the interview, which honestly, even if you remove the kind of subject matter, her tone and the way that she spoke mm. was just so rude. And then yeah. you throw in the fact that she, her recently liked tweets are also troubling. She's liked transphobic yes. tweets. Like, it's just really disappointing. And look, you know, I, I, I've been watching the argument online from people who want to s explain it away and stuff and, and their points are you know it's not you know it, her opinions shouldn't matter it's sport and it's like well then don't make your opinions public number one no, yeah the thing like, is Kaylee tweeted that off her own back no one yeah. asked her at a press conference yeah like it's not like this was sprung on her she has chosen to say these things publicly to like these tweets publicly to make these points publicly and if you say something publicly you have to be willing to respond publicly like that's the way of the beast yeah. if you're a public person like that's just the reality of it you can't just then say well I don't want to talk about anything but sport and it's like well then don't talk about anything but sport yeah the last tweet that she had liked by the time the interview had aired was um a tweet by someone referring to a trans woman as a man um she also had some negative commentary around um Paul Murphy the TD raising his child gender neutral um it's just yeah it's just it's just disappointing. disappointing yeah it's disappointing it's really disappointing um, and I'm sorry that we even have to talk about it, but but 
I know so many people ask me this week, what is going on there? So we absolutely had to. Um, and, you know, look, I, I, I always think that these can be opportunities for a person to learn and, mm-hmm. and you know, improve and like enlighten themselves a little bit maybe. And, and hopefully that's what will happen. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, unfortunately, there was a, a really damning report this week in terms of the defense forces and abuse within the organization. Yeah. And can I just say, this is not the first time we've had this. There was um, a report in the abuse in the defense forces decades mm. ago by Dr. Tom Clonan. Mm. So um, this week, um, there are a, a new report came out um um, that said that you know there had been uh, widespread sexual assault, bullying, and harassment across the Irish military. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that findings had been there had been an increase in bullying and harassment in the defense forces in just the last year. Um, people who had been kicked during exercise and assaulted in shower facilities. There have been people, no um, reports of people taking their own lives because of the treatment and the defense forces. This has come off the back um, of the woman of honor. So yeah. the woman who came forward about their abuse in the defense forces, woman who had been raped, woman who had been sexually assaulted. Um, they said that, you know, women are basically just abided in the defense force and, and nothing else. So the chief of staff of the defense forces said, he said that he feels shame and he feels for the good men and good women uh, in Olex Meharan. He said um, he has spoken over the last year about uh, two men and women about the alleged bullying and harassment. And he said that he is looking forward to legislative changes that will enable, uh, for instance, the command and control um, to exercise to its full ex- extent, which I do not have at this time. Um, now there's going to be more talk about legislation and powers for you know the people in charge. What needs to happen is there needs to be an overhaul above the mentality. Yeah, it's a cultural in thing. The defense forces. Yeah. it's a cultural thing. Mm. Um, and we know, you know, like I'm just going to read out some of the key findings. So, women are seen as occupying a lower status in the organization. Bullying, harassment, discrimination, and sexual harassment persist. It's found that notwithstanding the nature of military work, men and women are not working in a safe environment. There is, it has been found that there is no point in making complaints and the legislative frameworks and HR practices are not fit for purpose and out of date. Um, the Taoiseach Leo Vrager said the report is shocking and will shock anyone um, who reads it. He said the issues with bullying and harassment, some of a sexual nature in the Defence Forces have been reported on before, but never so starkly. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I think like, there's no two ways about it. Like, it's absolutely horrendous. Like, it's absolutely horrendous. And there needs to be an entire, like, a, a dramatic overhaul of the culture of the defense forces within the defense forces. What I will say, the one thing I think that's heartening is that there's no no excuses are being made. I mean, no excuses could be made. But, like, you know, it really does seem like there is an actual willingness and a recognition of the essential need for there to be change. Um, mm. And, you know, based on what Sean Clancy, the, the chief of 
of staff staff of the defense forces has said and that other reporting that I've read over the last 24 hours like it really does seem like there is a willingness now to create change and there absolutely has to be like it's it's completely unacceptable and it's disgraceful in this day and age to think that these are the experiences that women have been having and other other members of the defense forces have been having in 2023 like it's also like not good enough for anyone to say they didn't know because I knew and I have don't know anyone on the defense forces no, they knew. Of course you know? they knew. They they, yeah. they knew. Like, we all know that they knew because we knew. Exactly. Okay, before I let you go, let's end on a positive note because there was a really, I have to say, admirable and lovely story this week when James McLean, uh, Irish footballer, uh, opened up about being autistic. Not just Irish footballer. Sorry, dairy footballer. I apologise. Dairy man, James <laughs> McLean. Yeah, so James McLean and his wife, Erin, um, have become known um, because they have a young daughter called Willow Ivy. Um, so they have four kids now. God love them. <laughs> but they have um, their third child, Willow Ivy, has autism. So Erin uh, um, has been really inspiring. She, on her Instagram, often talks about Willow um, and so does James and they talk about her diagnosis. Um, the Republic of Ireland team in the Aviva really worked with um, James and Erin. They built a sensory room in the Aviva um, on the back of James and Erin's kind of public um, talk about Willow um, and just to make it you know a better place and a more welcoming place for children um, all children with autism so they have just had another wee baby there and this week on autism awareness week um, James posted that when they started noticing the you know symptoms or, or changes in Willow and as Willow got older um, they said that they noticed so many similarities in how Willow kind of reacted to things um, as James did and he went himself and got tested and he now also has um, an autism diagnosis yeah so this just, week uh, yeah well I, I'll just read what he said because I think it's it's really yeah. lovely the way he worded it he said I see so many small traits in her that I see in myself this is about his daughter Willow obviously so I decided to go and get an ASD assessment it's been a bit of a journey and now having a diagnosis I feel it's time to share it for the week that's in it I've debated for a while going public um Sorry, I've debated for a while going public and sharing this as I've done this for Willow Ivy to let her know that I understand and that being autistic won't and should never hold her back from reaching her goals and dreams. Daddy's girl. It's beautiful. I know. It's beautiful. It's so lovely. And, you know, the thing is, James McLean knows of all people um, there are going to be people to use this against him. James has had the most abuse out of any premiership footballer I have ever <laughs> known outside of um, ethnic minority people. I mean, he gets constant flack because he doesn't wear a poppy. Mm. Um, he turns his back to the English national anthem. He's very Republican in his views and he always has been. Yeah. So um, they have, you know, had death threats. Um, they've had people attack their car where the kids have been incited, all that sort of stuff. So James knows that's why he said he debated, you know, coming forward. And I think for any professional footballer to come forward um, with an autism diagnosis is groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's even braver um, for someone like James yeah. to do it, considering the constant um, abuse that Ham and Aaron received because of um, James's previous stances. Yeah, and it's also... Yeah, I was just so, Go so heartened by it. Mm. I just think... 
for you know a professional footballer for like even think about like we boys and we girls yeah well like, I was... not well away we boys and we girls see in this and who are have autism and yeah. say I can be a professional footballer yeah but also I think like what happened in their family is quite common like I've heard about this this kind of narrative mm-hmm. loads where your child starts to be assessed for autism or uh, ADHD or any other kind of neurodivergence and um, as through the assessment you start to go oh wait a minute because a lot of this stuff is mm-hmm. kind of genetic and does run in families and parents mm-hmm. are diagnosed kind of as a result of their children's diagnosis and you know I think it's really powerful for those parents as well to see you know any anyone kind of say hey this is this is the story for me you know it's mm-hmm. always very powerful to have people you know relate their experiences um, and I have nothing but respect for James and I know you will love him forever and I'm happy for you in that regard <laughs> <laughs> okay Aoife go to your sick bed god love you you poor pet yes thank Get you well soon Now, as I mentioned last week, I was lucky enough to be involved in the launch of Dublin Rape Crisis Centre's three-year national campaign on consent. We Consent aims to affect cultural change in the way we talk about and generally approach consent, which is, let's be honest, no small goal. This week, I spoke to the project manager, Sarah Monaghan, about the research that led to the campaign and how she hopes it might work. So obviously people will have heard me say last week that I was involved in the launch of this campaign um, and I was so delighted to do it. Um, I was really honoured to do it, actually, because it is a really huge thing. So maybe you can tell me where the kind of nexus of this project originated. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be so happy to. And, and and thank you so much for having me, Louise. And thank you so much um, for playing such a lovely role in our launch uh, last week. We were just delighted to have you. So I suppose this campaign, the We Consent campaign, has been a, f- a few years um, in, in development. Um, we originally came together, a group of us um, convened by, by Nolan Blackwell, our CEO, to, to talk about whether you could run a long-term cultural campaign of this kind, um, the one that is focused on social change rather than policy change or legal change, um, which for campaigns in this area, it is generally about changing the law, but in mm. Ireland... The law, at least as it stands on paper, um, is not really the problem as such. Um, but more, we wanted to think about everybody else and how we behave in the world and how people understand consent, how people talk about consent, how people treat each other. And we wanted to see if we could, in addition to our services, like our therapy sports and our helpline support, which are more our short and medium term interventions, and they come, I suppose, in the aftermath of sexual violence, could we also add in a jigsaw piece that is about changing the culture in the long term? Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose the short answer is we decided we could um, mm-hmm. and started developing this campaign. And so over the last couple of years, we've been working really hard with a huge amount of different stakeholders um, to uh, carry out research and get a better understanding of what people think already, what they know already, what they feel about consent and where they want us to go on this journey and how we can best uh, support that. So we've engaged with a huge amount of different stakeholders from across 
um, previous campaigns from across um, I suppose civil society and from other uh, communities, in particular marginalised communities, um, where we we don't always hear their voices in campaigns like this the way that we should. So mm. working quite closely with the, with um, people to see what would that look like for their community and what do they need it to look like and how can we best support that? Yeah, because I think that's, a, well, there's a few things that are striking about this. I mean, first of all, the fact that it, you know, it's a big goal, you know, because what you're talking about is changing the way we think about sex and is changing our approach to sex. Um, and I don't think anyone or very few people would deny that we have a culture of silence and mm. discomfort around sex as Irish people and you know it's a big thing to try and change that and ask people to actually completely flip that around and become comfortable with discussing sex and the way that we approach it and um, so that's number one um, <laughs> and, and number two because they go hand in hand is the amount of preparation and research that went into doing this because your research process proved what I just said right it proved that yeah. most people are yeah. really uncomfortable talking about sex yeah that's it absolutely and so our research last year told us that one in three people are just too embarrassed to talk about sex like at all mm. um just full stop and you know I think if people perhaps were a little bit more honest about that we would see that figure being actually higher um than, than one in three and so that's quite stark but as you say not terribly surprising I'd say to a lot of us um, that that will be a lot of people's experience that it is awkward it is embarrassing it is something we have not really been equipped to talk about or encouraged to talk about a huge amount um, we've had this 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 gap in terms of formal education around sex and consent and relationships um, in, in a really big way and that is I suppose slowly changing but we've also had a, a gap in terms of cultural education about how we talk about um, all of these really important areas. And so what happens when there there is that vacuum uh, in terms of cultural and formal education is that it generally gets filled with all of these different myths and stereotypes and, and you know, gendered scripts that, that, that are people just trying to piece together bit by bit and do, do the best that they can to learn about these areas off each other. Mm. And it gets passed down from generation to generation. And often you're left with this kind of mismatch of stuff that you've learned off each other that probably isn't helping anyone, you yeah. know, a huge amount <laughs> and is doing often, yeah. you know, some real damage to people and uh, in, a, in a way that we don't even intend, but it's all, it's, it's all of us just trying to do our best because we haven't been equipped with anything else. And yeah. so we want to change that, you know, and equip people who are well able, you know, to, mm. I think, these conversations, if they just have a little bit of support, mm. a little bit of resourcing, a little bit, um, you know, more in terms of, of of how to start these conversations, how to how to talk to different people in their lives about it. I think people are ready. I think we, we've really seen that. And again, in our research, 70% uh, of people agreeing that there is a problem with consent in Ireland. So there is a huge consensus there that people want this conversation to happen in our research and our focus groups you would find a lot that everyone wants the conversation to happen but no one really wants to go first you know mm -hmm. everyone's like oh we really 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 want to to talk frankly and openly and honestly for perhaps the first time as a whole nation about sex mm -hmm. and consent and relationships but i don't really want to be the first one so i suppose we're going first, you know, yeah. as, as the We Consent campaign and, and so that we hope that it's a little bit easier and we can make it a little bit easier for everybody else to to do so and to be the ones maybe to go first within their group of friends or, you know, to, to take that 
that step in having those conversations in their relationships or their sexual encounters or whatever, whatever that might be. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, um, you know, one of the first parts of the campaign is this, this ad that's going to be on Sky or is on Sky right now. Um, and I, I loved it when I saw it, because I mean, number one, it's inclusive of so many different people, different types of relationships, different situations. And number two, I think it really puts paid to this idea that consent is like a formal like Mm -hmm. you know serious moment where you have to stop all fun must stop all all pleasure must stop while we confirm consent quite the opposite yeah yeah and like it doesn't have to be like that And, and 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 people have been saying that for years but I think actually seeing people have those moments in the lots in the variety of ways we see it in the ad is really powerful because it does say it does demonstrate I mean literally it can be this this and this yeah yeah and I think like it it isn't surprising that people think it's so awkward and it's going to be so stilted and we're going to have to stop everything and have a really formal conversation because we don't get a lot in terms of kind of role modeling and positive role modeling from the media or from anywhere else you know like we 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 hear in here about normal people about 17 times a day because it's the it's the nearly like the only thing we've ever gotten in terms of seeing consent be acted out and people are just clutching onto it for dear life as this yeah. example of of consent and so with this um ad that's running on sky at the moment we we wanted to show people again you know that this this is what consent can 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 look like and i think we've had a tendency to always talk about the absence of consent mm. rather than the presence of consent and so that always leaves people knowing what they should avoid mm. to at least some extent but not really knowing what they should do and, yeah. and how they should do it and and then that's hard because then you're just trying to make it up as you you go go along and you know, we, we, those role models are important both in the media, but also in the people around us. And I think mm. role models, that can sound like a very grand kind of title that you're, mm. you know, a national hero of some sort. But we're all role models to each other. Do you yeah. know, we all, we all demonstrate the types of things that we think are acceptable or think are funny or think are cool by the way that we interact with each other. And I suppose we'd be asking people in this campaign to 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 be role models for each other yeah. and, 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 and to just think about the way you carry yourself in the world you know how how do you talk about consent how do you talk about consent uh, sex how do you talk about women how do you talk about gender and is that who you are is that the way you want to be seen by those around you mm. is that showing up for the people around you you mm. know we know from our work that one in three people in Ireland have experienced sexual violence at some stage in their lives or or have had you know an experience somewhere on that spectrum I mean to be honest I think you'd struggle to find somebody who has not had some kind of experience um of of sexual abuse or sexual assault or sexual violence and so when we when we talk a certain way about cases in the media or when we laugh at certain jokes we are demonstrating to someone close to us someone that we love that we think a certain way that is judgmental and is potentially even judgmental of of them and of their story and Mm. we are always showing people whether we're safe or not for them to talk to and come to should Mm. they they need to so being more conscious of how we you know talk and present in the world and whether we're being just kind enough and and being non-judgmental is is something we can all do like you know every day and Mm. we we'll mess up and we'll make mistakes and then we just try it again and that's also okay we all Mm. have you know a lot to learn it's it's a it's a journey of (laughs) continual learning for all of us absolutely 
And I think that's the beauty of the tone of this campaign, because it's not, I mean, I think historically, and this came up, uh, you know, in the panel discussion on the day, historically, there's been this kind of idea that like, you know, we must talk about consent to men, we must talk about consent to straight men. And like, they're the only people who need to think about this. And that's not the case. We all need to be considering this. We all need to, you know, be involved in asking for consent and continual consent. Like, you know, women need to be asking men for consent in straight relationships as well you know gay women need to be asking each other for consent gay men need to be asking each other for consent everyone who's involved in a sexual experience needs to be asking for consent but I think you know when when we see it in the kind of tone in which we see it in the ad for example it can be a are you okay do you like that like you know that's that's not you know disrupting your sexual pleasure in fact it should be enhancing it Absolutely. I mean, there's there is no question that better consent really should equal better sex and, yeah. and more enjoyment, more pleasure, like your partner and you being able to discuss and express freely what you like and what you don't like and what you want to do and what you don't want to do. I mean, that's just a good thing all yeah. around. That's a good thing on a big societal level, but it's a really good thing on just an individual relationship um, or encounter level. Um, and very much so this campaign is for everyone and you know that's been I suppose clear for us from the the start of of this work is that it is for all ages it's for all genders it's for all relationships and Mm. we know from talking to people and again from our research that people tend to think about consent only in terms of young people yeah Um, and it is an area of course that's really important but it also isn't the case that consent just becomes irrelevant when you pass the age of 25 you know it it, it is it is just as relevant for 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 everybody all the way through their lives whether they are single dating married married for 40 years it it doesn't really matter you know and 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 that's something that we really want to start talking about yeah and because you know not only are we are we there as role models to younger people and that is true whether you're a parent or whether you're an aunt or an uncle or a friends of the family it doesn't matter they're going to be looking to you and seeing if what they are learning in school or college matches up with the way that the people they admire and look up to whether they're acting in that kind of kind Mm. of way but it's also about how you behave you know in your own life with your own partner and that is relevant across your whole whole life and I do think it's interesting I don't know if it's an Irish thing We, we, we seem to be most able to engage with the issue of consent through one removed you know that we're always thinking about like yeah I'll, I'll learn about consent but for my children I'll learn about consent but for other people and mm. I suppose it's about thinking well, what about you you know what about yeah. learning about consent and talking about consent for you and for your own life and yeah. for your own pleasure for your own relationship for your own health and happiness that's okay and that's yeah. like more than okay that's 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 so valuable and and something that we really have to I suppose move away from feeling um I think we feel nearly indulgent about it, you yeah. know, that you, you just enjoy something just for yourself, which is terribly, terribly Irish altogether. Mm. But that that's, you know, really, really important because if we all thought about that more and talked about that more, um, you know, things would be would start to change and things mm. would be would be different. Yeah. I mean, I think that point about the fact that consent, you know, continues whether you're married, whether you're 60 or whether you're 16, like it's, you know, consent is important. And I think, you know, the fact that there are, you know, there's a a couple of married couples or what would appear to be married couples in the ad, you know, demonstrating yeah. a, you know, a let's go for it and a not tonight kind of vibe is is really powerful because 
I can't remember who I was speaking to, but one of the people I was talking to on the day of the launch was talking about the fact that like sometimes in a, in a married relationship, a long-term married relationship, sex can become kind of um, a routine thing where like actually there's no kind of consideration for whether either party wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay either. You know, if you end up in a situation where you're just kind of having sex because you feel like you have to. Yeah, and I think that is extremely common um, and not talked about. And I think it's a really important conversation to have. And I suppose we're here to open these conversations in a way that really is not judgmental because this is people really doing their best. And that specific example, I think, is born out of a huge amount of just care and love and what they think yeah. care and love and, and minding each other is. And 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 I suppose it's, it's, it's again, coming back to, to when we were speaking to people uh, they were fine to have the conversation in terms of somebody else. And that was always in terms of young people. But then when you'd say, talk to you, talk to us about your own life, talk to us about your marriage, mm. talk to us about, you know, sex you have, you tended to hear a lot of, oh, well, on Friday nights we have sex and that's just, that's what we've always done. That's what we, we, we do. And you're going, okay, well, and, you know, do you, do, do you want to have sex on Friday nights? Do you always want to have sex on Friday nights? You know, statistically, probably not <laughs> the case. So have you ever examined that? And people are, are, are usually saying, no because that's what we do that's the routine that we have and I suppose it's it's about feeling safe and equipped enough to have those conversations with your partner and and curious about whether maybe there's something else that you could be doing and and you know a different time of the week that might be might be better or how can you both enjoy life a bit better because Mm. I think what we often find in these these things is there's pressure moving both ways and Mm. expectation and assumption that's just not serving anyone very well. And, yeah. you know, in coming up with we consent, the reason that that, that is, is called we consent is because people resonated so much with this idea of consent as an equal agreement yeah. rather than in a traditional sense of consent being a give and a get and yeah. one person granting permission to the other pe- person or other people. And like that this is actually about something that we do together yeah. and that it's on an equal footing because the that traditional sense of give and get is generally gendered and especially in in hetero relationships you're probably talking about the man being the pursuer all of the time and the one who feels they have to initiate sex and then the woman feeling they are acting as this gatekeeper yeah. at all times which is not you know there's just nobody's benefiting from this model no, at it's all not fun yeah so so making it more of a just equal you know across the board kind of footing of that everyone's just checking in with each other on a you know continual basis and mm. as you say like in the ad it doesn't have to be a very serious sit down conversation at all it'll also look different for your relationship yeah. you know and someone else's you know the framework that you're and the dynamic that your relationship has and your marriage and whatever it is and so you know what checking in with each other looks like looks like yeah. you know and especially the more you talk about it the more you know what that what that yeah. looks like for each other and you know there is no one size fit all for for this you know and then I know people kind of always ask for that of like tell me exactly what to do and mm. We, we can't do that because consent is entirely individual to each relationship and each sexual um, encounter in terms of how how that checking in happens. Um, mm. The checking in part is the important part that no matter what the dynamic and the framework of your relationship is, that consent is just right at the heart of it and is always, you know, keeping kind of pride of place right right in the middle of that. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think it's a brilliant campaign. I know it's, it's currently set out for the next three years, so you'll be hearing lots more. And... 
it sounds like there's significant um, commitment really to go beyond those three years uh, based on what I heard at the launch. So it's very exciting. If you want to check out the campaign, go to we-consent.ie and you'll get all the information there. Sarah Monaghan, who is the project manager for this campaign, project, whatever you want to call it. Um, thank you so, so much for um, giving me your time today. I'm really so excited to see the impact that this has and I think it's going to be massive. Thank you so much, Louis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now into the world of celebs we go. Of course, we had to talk about the trial. The Gwyneth trial, what is such cultural gems it's given us. We also had to talk about the terrible loss of Paulo Grady, a.k.a. Lily Savage, gone far too soon. And also chat a little bit about Emily Ratajkowski and her love life, which has been causing lots of headlines recently. And I mean, more power to her. I cannot emphasize that enough. Esther Omar Donahue joined me to discuss this week's stories. Well, I'm once again in the humble abode of Esther Mordoni. We're in a different room today, which is very exciting. Esther has a new table. Esther's got a new table. Sorry, are you okay with the, with the people knowing about your new table? Absolutely. I'm going to close the door. I can hear the postman. Post person. Oh, close the door. Please. Don't Nothing but the all-star, all-star treatment from Esther. <laughs> Excuse me. Closing, closing doors. doors and everything. Wow, we. <laughs> Yes, I did get a new table. Um, it's vintage, so it's sustainable, and it's good for the environment. Thank you, Louise. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's actually genuinely in like perfect nick. Yeah, they they restored it. They did bits. Oh. They did. They put finish. Anyway, you, this is going to be lost. Yeah, in the sorry. Pockets, it's but visual. They, it's, it's beautiful. Visual. Yeah, they, they I scrubbed think it up. I think they just cleaned it. Would we call it mid-century? Yes, we would. <laughs> okay, fabulous. Well, it's it's lovely to be at your at this table. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, Esther, you for having me. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about, we and do. we're going to start with Gwyneth, who we spoke about on the podcast last week. I mean, little did we know last week when myself and Kian were discussing Gwyneth's ski trial how much it would give us culturally. It's giving us cashmere, it's giving us taupe, it's giving us incredible <laughs> highlights. I was just looking at her hair going, wowee. How does she, does she do it herself? No, she doesn't. I mean, it's... No. <laughs> I, 
think if there's one thing we can say for certain, it's and she that got Gwyneth that Paltrow does not do her own That Revlon hairdryer thing that rotates. And I don't, can you imagine if she's like, no, that's not my vibe. Um, yeah, so we know what ha- do we know what happened. Let's get ourselves up to date. In a nutshell, retired optometrist Terry Sanderson is suing Gwyneth, the Oscar-winning actress and businesswoman. Uh, he alleges that she collided with... Oh Ooh. my God. Truth. Sorry. That's all right. I nearly had a heart attack. That's a firm rap on the door now we experience there. Oh, what's in there? Zalando? I believe it's leggings, Louise. They're from Goop. Gwyneth, she's paid me off. My Goop, they're cashmere leggings. With um, covering Gore-Tex, so they're for the active... Love us. The active woman. Um, yeah, so anyway, Terry, Terry Sanderson is suing Gwyneth, said... He, she's uh, played into him. She's saying he played into her. Who played into who? We who just knows? don't know. Anyway, he's suing her for $300,000. He wanted to sue her for more, but the judge is like, nope. <laughs> There's limits to our love. And she's <laughs> counter suing him for the Taylor Swift symbolic $1 mm. plus legal fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's just, she's saying he just wants to barrel roll this into a, into a payday and make some money off her. So, of course, as in, you know, in American courtrooms, they, they're allowed to have, they're allowed to film them and have it documented. Which and thank God for that. <laughs> and thank God. With the global, world's global temperature rising <laughs> at a catastrophic rate and the IPCC are saying we need to act oh, now. Oh, Esther, come on. Don't take my fun away. She, there'd be no more snow left. Gwen won't be able to snow if we don't act now. Well, well she'll lose more than half a day of skiing. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so we have, we've, we've, we've seen Gwyneth on the sand with her Glorious golden head of hair, um, mm. and uh, yeah, dead. So anyway, so yeah, so there's been references to like, it's kind of like giving us like succession kind of insight into this world. She, I think Gwyneth stands in the fact that she is not like us. She can't relate. She's living. She's rubbing things in her face. She's consuming so many capsules of tiny things. She's eating bone broth and what's and whatnot. Yeah. It's a different world, and she can't pretend. But it seems like. You know, in the little snippets that were getting served in Instagram or whatever and in the news that um, Sanderson's uh, trial lawyer, Van Orman, is kind of, is she fascinated or is this his attack? She's kind of, you know, asking her questions about her, how well does she know Taylor Swift? Are they friends? Are they on the Christmas card list? Yeah, is weird. I'm going to play a little clip here um, Mm -hmm. just so that people can see um, or can hear, just in case you haven't heard the will we call it patter mm-hmm. between Gwyneth and the lawyer because it is quite something. You were wearing goggles, a helmet. Yes. Okay, kind of looked like everybody else on the slope. That's always my intention. Okay. Probably had a better ski outfit though, I bet. <laughs> I still have the same one. <laughs> May I ask how tall you are? I'm just under 5'10". Okay, I am so jealous. I think I'm shrinking, though. You and me both. I have to wear four-inch heels just to make it to 5'5". Five, five, well, so. They're very nice. Well, thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little insight to what's going on in the courtroom. It seems so strange to us, because I just don't think that's the way... I mean, probably lots of us have never been to a trial, but like in my experience of being on a jury, this is not how lawyers in Ireland act. Um, but in America, it's different. And we know because we've seen so many of them on TV. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit jazzier, but, yeah. then, but, the, but then you think, it's a little bit showbiz, but then you think is, you know, where is she going with this? And of course, you sort of want those little, what height is Gwyneth Paltrow? And, yeah. you know, referring to Van Orman's shoes and da 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 and then mm. she was doing, you know, 
reenacting how Gwyneth was standing on the snow and mm. Gwyneth had to supervise no her skis were in a shade more so it is sort of yeah I mean it's kind of a, it is sort of like a circus in a way and you don't know what they're getting at but um, I guess following on from the you know Amber Heard and Johnny Depp uh, trial we're all kind of primed for these like the memification of things like that and it is yeah it is entertaining you're kind of getting a little insight into Gwyneth's world who, who seems who's kind of playing true to form is kind of ice cold composed mm. just answering the questions as they come and batting them away um, and but but also very angry <laughs> like you can see there's an undercurrent of quiet, seething rage, which is why she's even doing this in the first place, it seems like. There, because there a lot of other really rich people would have just given him the money and been like, fine, like, let's just, I'm not going to waste another minute on this. But she has chosen mm-hmm. to kind of go through this entire court case. And I think because she's really angry. Yeah, she's this, because she doesn't obviously need the money and it wouldn't, paying off $300,000 would be nothing to her. Yeah. Um, so she, yeah, that's why there is, you know, the symbolic $1 yeah. um Counter suit. Counter, yeah. yeah, counter suit. Um, yeah, yeah, there's sort of a, there's a controlled tension there. Yes. <laughs> Maybe the pursing of the lips and it is intense because obviously she's used to being photographed and stuff but I think her, her, uh, her team asked does the ca- camera have to be constantly on her because you can see it's so, it is awkward She's used to attention, but that knowing that every single flicker eye move is yeah. being dissected, and she's yeah, you you can't eye roll, and I'm sure she's absolutely desperate too. Yeah, but she has to keep it together, and yeah, it's so entertaining. I'm I'm just massively <laughs> enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and once again, just to acknowledge that obviously it's not great that <laughs> this man has a, you know apparently has brain injury, and that's not great. That's, that's, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, but I mean, we, it's yet to be decided who is in the right and who is in yeah. the wrong. Um, it, from uh, Paltrow's lawyers, um, grilled Sanderson and we're showing him photographs taken from his Facebook following since the accident saying, showing the retired doctor taking frequent holiday trips around the world after the ski collision, floating down the Amazon, visiting the Netherlands three times, been to yeah. Morocco, Thailand. So he's not, look, he's, he's, a, he's all right. Yeah, he could be worse. He said his happiness that he appeared to show in the holiday pictures was reflexive. And he maintained he'd not deliberately insulted Paltrow when he referred to as King Kong and Godzilla. Um, and, you know, it was difficult for him to see the celebrity. Yeah. And there's a pigeon in my yard now that could, we might have to clap that away, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening. Do you get this with other contributors? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not that lucky. Um, okay, now let's talk about the very sad death of Paul O'Grady. What a guy. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is really sad. Like this is, a, you know, you wake up and you, you know, it's, it is kind of a shocker. He was 67, which I know it's older, but it's still, you no, know. so young. He, he, you know, he had a full life and he was just in, um, he was uh, starring in Annie and he just moved the run up to Edinburgh and he was very much, you know, he was engaged. He was still working hard and yeah. um, living his life. Anyway, he, he wasn't winding down by no. any stretch. Yeah. Um, so he first kind of came to public attention with his drag act persona, Lily Savage, um, and he has won BAFTAs, he's had TV shows, and they've all been incredibly successful. Um, but sadly, yes, he died unexpectedly but peacefully on Tuesday evening, and his husband, Andre Portazio, um, asked for privacy at this uh, time. Uh, he... he um, said that he'll be greatly missed by his loved ones, friends, family and animals and all those who enjoyed his humour, wit and compassion. Yeah. Um, and as I said, yeah, he, he played Miss Hannigan, he's playing Miss Hannigan in the musical Annie um, and it was going to tour over here as well. So yeah, yeah, it's very sad. He's just such an icon. Like I've been watching everybody's response to his death and um, 
a friend of mine, Scotty, um, who has been on the podcast before a long time ago. Um, he's a, an artist in the UK. And he was talking about the fact that as like working class, you know, well, he referred to himself as common, common gay kids. He said have they had these like people who they held on to kind of dearly as kids that they, you know, they could look up to and kind of were beacons of hope. And that Paula Grady as Lily Savage was absolutely one of them. And that there are so many people, you know, who Lily, Lily Savage was so important to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, definitely he was responsible for bringing drag into the mainstream in the UK. And, you know, he he was, you know, obviously a great defender of of gay rights, animal rights. Um, yeah. Just a great fella. I really enjoyed Alan Carr's post. He said, I've been used to, he posted a photo of himself and Paul. And he said, I've been no use to anyone today. Loved Paul. Who didn't? A true one-off. Having dinner with Paul O'Grady was the closest any of us would get to having dinner with Dorothy Parker or Truman Capote. He would have you literally in stitches regaling these showbiz anecdotes and quips from Marlene Dietrich to Scylla Black to the Royals to the Disappointer Sisters. It seemed like he knew everyone. He will be missed so much. My friend asked him recently, do you think you'll go to heaven, Paul? Quick as a whip, he replied, I hope not. I won't know anyone. He said, you legend. Yeah, there, there, were, there were so many, you know, tribute they were, they were shocked because it was it was unexpected but there were so many you know well-known faces kind of uh putting tributes on social media or whatever yeah. and t- talking to the papers and stuff but um before he uh developed Lily Savage he worked as a social worker um for Camden Council in London and then he developed Lily Savage uh, and he based her on single mothers and occasional sex workers he kind of was a, you know he wanted to give voice to that and that's what he you saw and whatever but there was a producer who used to work with him on the Paula Grady show um, said that uh, when they worked together Channel 4 Paula Grady insisted that new roles on the show were advertised in the local job centre because he wanted anyone to be able to apply to get a break like he had because like you said when your friend Scotty was like how do I get in there I want to do yeah. that or that's something I could do but like where do you start so it's like you don't have to know somebody and you know ha- someone's uncle works here and there he was like put it you know put in the job centre and just see and everyone can kind of every, 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 everyone can try yeah. and um, give opportunity. And um, I know we also have a, a mutual friend who is friends with him and just saw him last week. And of course, did not expect this. But I mean, that's still a gift that he, you know, was able to kind of catch up with somebody and say, you know, have a nice evening. And then this happened. But um, yeah, he seemed to be b- beloved. So um, yeah, a real loss. Yeah, a real loss. A real loss. Rest in peace, Paul O'Grady. Um, now, this is salacious <laughs> gossip. Esther, and actually I don't often do this kind of thing, but I feel like it's appropriate to discuss. Mm -hmm. Emily Ratajkowski, Harry Styles. Let's go. I've seen her kissing outside more than I've seen some members of the family in the last seven months. She's mad for it. And I love it. I think think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. But it it does make me go, hmm, I must text my cousins. I must see them because (laughs) she's, I just, yeah, she's, she's getting out there. So... Harry, I wonder did she call him H or has Meghan Markle style? We don't know. Um, he was in Japan for his Love on Tour show. Is that the show that's coming to Dublin or it's to coming, It's coming Slane. back. Coming back to Slane. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you got wait. your ticket, haven't you? I sure do. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. He was in Japan for his Love on Tour show and Emily was in Tokyo for a Mark Jacobs party and beep bop boop, someone filmed him kissing outside. They didn't arrive together, but they ended up together. I have to say, the kiss itself looked unpleasant. Real, like, wide open mouths. I wasn't sure from the angle, it was funny. Like, was he holding her hand by his chest and I'm, kind of pulling her in? Or I don't holding, know. He wasn't even standing. It was like, he was sort of standing at a right angle. Yeah. I was like, I would hate to see me kissing. I was and, just going to say the exact same thing. I hope that no one ever takes a photograph of me kissing. Yeah. She, it, I don't want to see it. It didn't seem like... Anyway, 
but maybe it was great. But it didn't it didn't seem like it seemed strange. Maybe I think it might have been it seems like it was kind of opportunistic. It was like, oh here we are and we're kissing. But anyway, so they were kissing and we all saw it. And we woke up to that. Um sorry. I'm laughing because I have this article open in front of me from Harper's Bazaar. <laughs> it's yeah. a complete timeline to everything going on between Harry Styles and Emily Ratajkowski. Mm-hmm. And then you go down and all of the timestamps are March twenty twenty three. So it's March 2023, they're reportedly having fun. March 2023, Emily has been friendly with Harry for a while. March 2023, video footage of Harry and Emily kissing and we're just like, okay, get it. It's all yeah. ha- it's all happening. So when it happened? March 2023. <laughs> but there's, there's ru- like, Emily's been having a great time. She's oh, yeah. been, you know, she's been rumored to be with a, a few different, all equally mm-hmm. cool seeming guys mm-hmm. over the last little while. And Eric Andre, yeah. that DJ guy, people Pete. we don't know. Oh, just Pete smooching. Pete Davison. God, no. Oh, yeah. My brain simply cannot bring names to the fore at the moment. I don't know That's what's fine. going on. Um, but yeah, uh, and now apparently Harry Styles. And, you know, good for her. Good for her. But everyone got CSI Miami once, you know, I mean, Harper's Bar did great work there. I'm not mm. dismissing that. But, you know, they were putting up <laughs> references that Harry made when he's in One Direction saying that he fancied Emirata. Who doesn't? And then, Look at her. <laughs> and then there were pictures of Emily and Olivia Wilde, um, Harry's ex, as yes. we know, at the Paris uh, one of his Paris concerts last year. Yeah, that's the the latest story that I've been reading the last couple of days is that like Emily has apologized to Olivia. It's like, come on. I think this is what I think is so funny about these stories because like I love when the sources get involved. Harry and Emily have known each other for a while and have always had a strong attraction to one another, the source says. Harry thinks Emily is cool and beautiful and has always liked her. For now, they're having fun together. Like, no what one said source? that. No one said if that. If you were a source for me kissing someone in public, you'd be like, um, yeah. Like, you, you wouldn't be able to put a full a sentence like that. <laughs> Esther and Beep are having fun together right now. <laughs> Esther's Gore-Tex and cashmere leggings are doing really well for her at the moment. <laughs> and there's pigeons taking over her yarden. But she's still great. She's having fun with him. She's having fun with the pigeons. Oh. So, yeah, that's it. Anyway, there you go. They kissed. Uh, and, and, and more power to them. I mainly wanted to talk about it just to say, I just love to see someone like... Well, I mean, obviously, Emily Ratajkowski. Getting it, girl. Basically, <laughs> yeah, basically. Get it, girl. But you know what? It also is interesting because it is a lapse. You never see these public... Oh, she's No, she's oh, she's a very public smoocher. But Harry Styles, you've never seen them really wear the face no. off someone else in public. So Not for an, a good while. An unguarded moment that we all captured and enjoyed. Exactly, Esther. Good for them. Now, uh, I, I love this story. I have become... Would we say obsessed? Possibly obsessed with Drew Barrymore. And I was going to say obsessed with the menopause. <laughs> well, I Both. mean, that too. I think it's pending. Yeah. Um, I've been waiting for menopause for like eight years now because after my chemo, they were like, oh yeah, sure, you've no eggs left. Your you're, menopause mm. could come at any time. Waiting for the menopause beat yeah. to drop. Then I got immediately pregnant twice. And uh, so now I'm like, is it coming? Is it coming? Yeah. This well, period? when it does, I want you to fire white smoke out here at the top of your <laughs> chimney, like the Pope or something like that. For some reason, I thought you were going to say. smoke. <laughs> Fire white smoke out of your gi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could. And someone w- wave a white feather. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. It's only dust in or here. Or some ceremonial <laughs> popping of the tampon or something like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, is... somebody think about it. So I have I have been thinking about menopause, but I've also been thinking about Drew Barrymore because every single clip I see from her TV show is just so gas and weird mm-hmm. and, uh, let's be honest, adorable. Yeah. And this one is no different. What happened, Esther? Well, let's just backtrack first of all. Like, she is owning that talk show space at the moment because she did it during lockdown and it was so freaky deaky because oftentimes there was nobody opposite her. Yeah. This person was in a studio in wherever else and she has really 
stuck with it and made it her own. Mm. And she is, yeah, coming up with gems constantly. Anyway, so she's interviewing Jennifer Aniston, our close friend, and Adam Sander. They're promoting their new film, Murder Mystery 2, on their, her show. Did you see Murder Mystery 1? No. I did not. Did not. Anyway, so um, so she was talking to Jennifer, who's sitting beside her, and then she suddenly is like, I'm so hot. I think I'm having my first perimenopause hot flash. And she just started to immediately take off her blazer and unhook her mic and put it on her shirt. And Jennifer was like, oh my goodness. Because I, I don't think it would be Jennifer Speed maybe talking about yeah. having hot flashes. <laughs> but she just was like in the moment and she was like, whoa, she's she, 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 maybe this is my first hot flash and live, she's having it live and television. she's just not keeping to herself maybe it's impossible to keep it to yourself if you have it because it's just like taking over your whole body well I will say I during chemo the aforementioned chemo mm-hmm. I used to get hot flashes um, as like symptom of the chemo and it is quite hard to ignore when it's happening very intense and I obviously I don't know if that's the exact same as a menopausal hot flash but like it is quite hard to stay focused and you can feel yourself also you become quite self-conscious because you start sweating and you know she probably could have kept another person might have kept it going but, but why would like, Drew do yeah, it it's all no. out on the floor that's who she is that's how she rolls what would Drew it. do what would Drew do um, and so yeah so Jennifer she put her hand on her chest and she's like I feel so honoured <laughs> <laughs> we were all there we witnessed Em and Harry kissing and we witnessed Drew Barrymore's hot flash so what a week special moments <laughs> special moments and I'm Indeed. so happy to have shared them with you Esther yes thank you and yeah when you do when you do finally enter perimenopause please share it let's do it live on oh, air come on I'm ready let's it's go, time baby. let's go Esther, where can people find you? You can find me at Esther Two Names. I'll be sitting here checking my follower count at my new mid-century <laughs> desk, wearing my leggings. So please do join the party. What's going on with um, Emer and Esther Sunday Rose with Emer oh, and yes, Esther? Emer and Esther, we are going to record. Yeah, nobody, we, uh, nobody cares, Esther. But no, we're recording an episode tomorrow. So hopefully we'll get the show on the road in April. Wonderful. Emer's listening going, what? People yes, do care. April, people do care. So yeah, follow the podcast. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Now it is just about time for me to go and uh, I didn't watch loads of TV this week. I'm really excited that Yellow Jackets is back. Very, ex- If you haven't gotten into Yellow Jackets, highly recommend you get involved. It's on Paramount Plus, which is available on uh, Sky and I think now TV as well. I also am obviously super into Succession. So glad it's back. Great to have a new episode. Love a capacious bag. I also this week rewatched Juno, which I hadn't watched in ages. I saw a TikTok where some people were saying that watching it as adults versus watching it when it first came out when they were younger um, gave them a whole new perspective on it. So I thought it might be interesting to watch and see what I thought. And yeah, definitely looked at it um, from a different perspective. I was 25 when it first came out um, in 2007. So that's what, 26 years ago, 25, 26 years ago. No, I'm bad at maths. 2007, 2017, 15 years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is why I'm not a mathematician. Uh, 15 years ago. Um, so obviously my perspective on things has changed significantly. So it was it was interesting to watch it again. There's also, as with all films really, uh, there are problematic elements within it, uh, aside from the very obvious kind of intentionally problematic elements. But I still really enjoyed it. It's a nice 97 minute film. Please, God, give me an hour and a half. That's all I want in life is films that are an hour and a half. So if you felt like a little touch of nostalgia, that might be a good one. I've also found recently I've been going back, I think it's partially because 
of the Fight Like Apes gig, but also just in general, I've been going back and like listening to the albums of my youth. You know, the CDs that you had that you listened to absolutely inside out that you knew every single word of. I have really been enjoying putting them on the full album and listening from start to finish to some of the stuff that I I used to be obsessed with. Um, And I would recommend doing that this week. Maybe make a list of your faves and listen to them as you did, not just kind of selecting songs, but listening to the full album from start to finish. I think it just does something special. Um, and, And as I said earlier, nostalgia gives you a lift. Anyway, that's all from me for now. As I said, a new Patreon episode will be going up this week. So if you haven't joined and you want to support the podcast and my work and also, um, obviously, if you want to get bonus episodes, go to patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise McSharry. And in the meantime, I hope you have a lovely week. Thank you so much to ACAST for having me on the network. Thank you so much to all my contributors and thank you so much for listening. I will be back with you next Friday. In the meantime... I hope everything goes well. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. We will get through it one foot in front of the other and I'll talk to you then. from enjoying the rest of what was a very expensive vacation. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.